Jenna's going to come, and she's going to read John chapter 10, and we're going to take a look at verses 1 through 21 today. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech used, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Everyone wants the good life. So when Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, our ears perk up. Like a child who hears the ice cream pail being opened after they have gone to bed. But sadly, Jesus' words are often deluded. They are deluded to promises of health and wealth and material success. And as wonderful as a full bank account, exciting vacations, healthy kids, and a fulfilling career may be, these are worthless compared to being known and still loved by Jesus. In Jesus' day, when a shepherd leads his sheep into the city, 
he brings them into a sheepfold. And the sheepfold is this uh, walled-off space with a gate and a gatekeeper, and many shepherds would bring their sheep into the same sheepfold. They would, they would just group them all together in the sheepfold. Now, when a shepherd wants to take his sheep out of the sheepfold in order to take them to pasture, he comes to the gate and the gatekeeper recognizes him and he goes into the sheepfold and he begins to call out and to bring out his own sheep. He calls them by name and his own sheep follow him. Remarkable. I was listening to a podcast this week and the person who was being interviewed was sharing a little bit about herself and she said that their family had two dogs named Kevin and Steve. I thought that was very funny. And then the person who was doing the interview said, my family has two dogs and they are named Pancakes and Butter. Also, very funny. I wonder, kids, what you would name a sheep if you had a sheep. What would be a good name for a sheep? Call it out. Fluffy, excellent choice for a sheep. What else? Say it again. Yep, that's a good one as well. What else? Yeah, those are all really good names, right? You, you kind of look at the sheep, and, and that sheep has certain characteristics, and so you pick up on those characteristics, and you give it a name. That's how the shepherd can call out his sheep, because he knows them. After the shepherd calls his sheep, he goes to the front of the sheep and he leads them out and the sheep follow their shepherd because they recognize his voice. They don't just follow any shepherd, they follow their shepherd because they know him and he knows them. Look at John chapter 10 and verse 2 again. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. This sheepfold, it reminds me of uh, like a, a U-Haul facility, the, the place where, like self-storage, self right? There's a, a fenced-off area and a gate and a gatekeeper, and everybody can bring their stuff. You can, you can pay money and store your stuff in this self-serve storage facility. Maybe you get a little key fob or you have a code or something like that that, that gets you in the gate, Right? Say you have your stuff in a self-serve storage, and well, you are at the gate punching in your code or putting in your key fob, you see someone climbing over the fence, 
What would you think about that person? You would say, that is a thief. Someone is trying to get in, but they're not going in through the door. They're not going in through the gate. They don't have a code to get in. If they did, they would use it. Instead, they're trying to get in another way. I think that is a thief and a robber. That's exactly how Jesus describes the Pharisees. We saw them at the end of chapter 9. They ask Jesus, are we also blind? They have thrown out the man who was born blind who has been healed. They have threatened his parents with the same excommunication. Look what Jesus says about them, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to who? To you. To you Pharisees who have so poorly treated this man. Who have disregarded him. You should have celebrated with him because he was healed. And instead, you've rejected him. I say to you. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. I'm saying this to you, Jesus says. The Pharisees are not shepherds. They are like thieves climbing over the wall of the U-Haul. They don't know the sheep. They don't care about the sheep. And so Jesus uses this metaphor of shepherd and sheep in order to make a contrast, a clear contrast between the Pharisees and him. They are thieves and robbers. And Jesus is going to show us that he is the good shepherd. Look at verse 6. This figure of speech, this sheep and shepherd, this figure of speech, this metaphor, Jesus used with them. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. This is no surprise, is it? They have had a hard time understanding Jesus all the way through the chapters that we have looked at this spring. Six, seven, eight, nine. They didn't understand what he was saying to them. Verse 7, so Jesus again said to them, he's going to continue this metaphor, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, this transition can feel a little bit confusing because we're all expecting that in this metaphor of the sheep and shepherd, Jesus is going to be the shepherd, right? That's what we expect to happen here. But instead, Jesus says, I am the door. And we're left wondering a little bit, what does that mean? And why did you say that here? I thought that there was a gate and a gatekeeper 
at the sheepfold? How is it that Jesus would say, I am the door? Well, it's true, in the sheepfold, in the city, there is a gate, and there is a gatekeeper. But we must also remember that Jesus has already told us in the metaphor that the shepherd has come to the sheepfold, he has gathered his sheep, and now he is leading them. Where is he taking them? Well, he's taking them out to pasture. He's taking them out to feed them. That's why the shepherd is leading his sheep out. And when the shepherd and the flock are out in the pasture lands, there's a different type of fold. It's not nearly as fancy as the fold that is in the city. In fact, the walls of this sheepfold are just some large rocks that have been piled up high enough in order to keep the sheep in and wild animals out. And in this fold in the wilderness, in the pasture lands, there is no gate and there is no gatekeeper. There's just an opening in the rocks, a place where the sheep can go in. And once the sheep have made their way into the sheepfold, the shepherd lays down in front of this gap this opening in the rock wall. No sheep can get out unless if it goes through the shepherd. And no wolf can come in unless if it gets past the shepherd. The shepherd is the door. John 10 and verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be saved? If you want to be saved, then you must go through Jesus. He is the door. And if you will believe in Jesus, then you will have security and you will have freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from the power of the devil. Freedom even from the power of death. I'm glad that Jesus describes himself as a door and not a wall. You don't need a ladder of achievement to get in. Jesus doesn't expect you to complete 12 steps to a better you. And those who make Jesus that kind of a wall, those are thieves and robbers. I'm glad that Jesus describes himself as a door and not as a ticket booth. You don't have to come to Jesus and exchange your money or your good behavior. 
your time serving charities, or your presence at a worship gathering. You don't have to exchange any of those things in order to be saved. Those who make Jesus a ticket booth, they're thieves and robbers. I'm glad that Jesus is the door and not a long, winding hallway. You don't have to struggle your way towards some faint light at the end. Always compelled to do more, try harder, and be better, and never knowing for certain if you have done enough. Those who make Jesus a long, winding hallway... They are thieves and robbers. I'm glad that Jesus describes himself as a door and not as a customs agent. Jesus is not worried about your family history. He's not worried about your criminal past. Jesus doesn't need to do a background check on you. Those who make Jesus into a customs agent are thieves and robbers. Jesus is the door. And that makes Jesus the good shepherd. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, in the metaphor that Jesus presents here, a shepherd may hire an employee to help him tend to the sheep. Jesus uses this word, a hired hand. But this hired hand does not own the flock. So he doesn't care about the sheep. When this hired hand is sleeping in the gap in the rock wall so that no sheep can get out and no wolf can get in. The hired hand is sleeping there and he is awakened by the howling of a wolf. A hungry wolf. The hired hand does not stand in the gap to protect the sheep. The hired hand says, this is just a job. I can get another job I can't get another life. And the hired hand runs away. He flees away from the sheep. And what happens? The wolf comes. And the wolf snatches a sheep and he scatters the rest of the flock. Jesus is no hired hand. He is the good shepherd. The hired hand cares more about his own life than about protecting the sheep. But not so with Jesus. 
He lays down his life for the sheep. He is the good shepherd. This good shepherd knows his sheep. He doesn't just know about you. He knows you. Maybe you have someone who knows you like this in your life. It could be a friend or a parent, a sibling. It could be a spouse. This is the type of person who when you say, I'm going to Starbucks, what do you want? You don't have to, you don't have to even wonder what they're going to say. You just, you just know what they're going to say. You know their Starbucks order. When they say, I'm watching my favorite movie tonight, you know what that movie is. You know what colors they like to wear in the fall and in the spring. I guess that's a thing. You and this friend perhaps share some some inside jokes. You have history with one another. And you can just say one word and both of you just burst out laughing because you remember the time when and you both just laugh. This type of person can read a text and know when you're not doing so great. And, and this type of a friend knows how to cheer you up. Jesus knows you. Like that person that you thought of, but so much more. Jesus knows what you're thinking about when you can't sleep. Jesus knows when you are lonely or discouraged or depressed. And Jesus knows why. Jesus knows when you're carrying around a whole boatload of disappointment and you're just not able yet to articulate why you are feeling the way that you are. But you know that you're not right. Jesus knows that disappointment. Jesus knows that you desire a relationship. And Jesus knows that our relationships often come with lots of joys and lots of pain. Jesus knows when your job is a burden. He knows when you're putting on a smile and showing up to work, even though you would rather be just about anywhere else. Jesus knows. Jesus knows every ache in your body. He knows every time your head pounds relentlessly. Jesus knows the stress that makes you want to quit. Jesus knows that you desire to have children. Jesus knows the exhaustion that you are feeling because of your children. 
Jesus knows every anxious moment, every insecure thought. He knows every worry that sends your mind racing like an avalanche. Jesus knows you inside and out. He knows you heart, mind, body, and spirit. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. He knows every joy, every sorrow, every hope, and every grief. Jesus knows every dream and every pain. How do you know that Jesus knows me that way? Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. The mutual intimacy between you and Jesus is an overflow of the eternal infinite mutual intimacy between the Father and the Son. How does it feel to be known like that? How does it feel to be infinitely, intimately known? I've had the same reaction every time I think about this this week. This is something special, friends to be known like this. Maybe being known in this way makes you feel exposed. If Jesus knows me this way, then he must also know about my sin. He must also know about my pride and my anger and my lust. He must also know when I'm worrying myself half to death and I am struggling and gripping, trying to control my own life. Yes, Jesus knows that too. But you do not need to feel exposed, child of God, because Jesus loves you. Five times in four verses, Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. 
child of God, Jesus loves you. Look at the end of verse 15. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus didn't die because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Jesus was not a victim of an unfortunate series of events. Jesus died on the cross willingly. He chose to lay down his life. Why? Because he loves you. You didn't become one of his sheep because Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you because you are one of his sheep. Jesus stood in the gap. with his flock behind him. He endured the wrath of God that should have come on his sheep, but it did not. Why not? Because Jesus stood there in the gap. He didn't flee away like a hired hand so that the flock would be exposed. No, he stood there. He hung there on the cross, enduring the suffering and the shame and the wrath of God on behalf of his sheep. Sisters and brothers, Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus knows you. Jesus loves you. To be known and still loved, this is abundant life. Look at verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The devil is a thief. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your peace, your contentment, your confidence. He wants to kill your relationships. He wants to kill your friendships, your marriage, your connection with your kids. He wants to kill your connection with your parents. The devil wants to destroy your testimony with your neighbors. He wants to destroy your influence with your co-workers. He wants to tear away from you gospel opportunities that God gives us every day with our friends. The devil wants to destroy our hope for the future. The devil says you can find this good life in health and wealth 
and material success. You can have a fulfilling career, a full bank account. You can have amazing experiences and exciting vacations and a well-stocked retirement portfolio. So what? So what to all of that? Those are dollar store trinkets compared to being known and still loved by Jesus. This is abundant life. Jesus doesn't promise us all the things. Jesus promises you himself. That's why you can have next to nothing and still be enjoying the abundant life that Jesus talks about in this text. It's not found in all of the things that the world and the devil has to offer us. It is found in being known and loved by the good shepherd. In God's grace, and by the Holy Spirit's power, and for the glory of God, let's follow this example of the Good Shepherd. In our marriages, let's be known. Let's be known. And then let's commit to loving one another like Jesus. In our missional communities and in our discipleship relationships, let's be known. Let's be honest about our insecurity, our disappointment, our fear, our depression, our anxiety, our worry about the future, our pain. Let's be known. And then let's commit to loving one another like Jesus. As we learn the security and the freedom and the joy of being known and still loved by Jesus, let's take this glorious gospel out there. Let's find more of Jesus' sheep. Let's bring them to the door so that they can be known and loved by the Good Shepherd. Church, this is the abundant life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to help us listen. Would you help us as we continue in this time of worship and also as we leave this worship gathering to continue to reflect on and meditate on, maybe even come back and memorize and study you help us to process all that it means to be known and still loved.
Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being the good shepherd. Thank you for being the door. Thank you for welcoming us into the family of God and giving us a place there. Blessed Holy Spirit, thank you for uniting us to our Savior Jesus, connecting us eternally to Him. Thank you that we enjoy being in Christ because of your work, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please continue to move in this place. Please convict us of sin. Please remind us of forgiveness. Please give us comfort and hope and encouragement. Would you come and draw near to those who are hearing this gospel and for the first time, this truth of Jesus being the door is landing on their heart and you have opened their eyes to see Jesus as beautiful, as the way to God. Please grant this morning life. Give them as a kind gift repentance and faith so that sinners cry out by believing and repenting. We ask this, all of this, for our good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.